Today, once again, we are going balls deep into Fantasy Basketball International's ADP data. This is B-Dub filling in for Adam Solo today. Hopefully we can get through a few rounds. Let's play. Righto, welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, as I said at the start of the episode, this is uh, B-Dub filling in for Adam and going solo. It feels like I am going from new experience to new experience, hosting a show last week with Doc and now hosting one solo. So we'll see how this goes. Advanced apologies uh, if it's uh, a little bit jarring my first time. I'm sure you guys will cut me some slack. So... We're going to pick up where we left off last time, and that was at round five. So Doc and I covered the first four rounds of FBI ADP data. And something to note is that this was uh, this ADP data was generated on the 29th of September, so around a week ago. Um, so it's a little bit outdated. Some of these player ADPs have been coming in or uh, blowing out, depending on which player uh, we're talking about. And um, certainly um, with the World Cup drafting at the moment, it's been very interesting to see where players have been going uh, in that tournament uh, versus where they were going for, you know, the weeks and months preceding. So kicking off with round four, there was a couple of names here that jumped out at me um, specifically. Um, Doc mentioned one last week, and that was Zion Williamson. So I think a lot of this may go without saying, but I'll quickly mention it anyway. Zion, we know, is an offensive weapon, um, the likes of which um, the NBA has only seen a few times in its history. His problem is that he just can't stay healthy. So if uh, Zion was uh, considered to be healthy and a sure bet to play, you know, 70 games, he would definitely be going a lot higher than his current ADP, which is uh, 49. Um but as we know, that's just simply not the case with him. So uh, listening to a recent show um, with uh, Nate Duncan and Danny LaRue, they were discussing the virtues of Zion Williams, uh, Williamson. And, uh, you know, they gave some interesting statistics about how impactful he is when he's on the court uh, and specifically around how uh, effective he is finishing around the rim. Um, there's really been no other player quite like it maybe all the way as far back as um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So at 49, I think Zion is a fantastic pick. There's lots of upside there. If he does put it all together, he could be delivering you close to 30 points a game, um, plus with rebounds, assists, and massive field goal percentage to boot. You just need to be in a position where you can either absorb his free throw percentage or be punting it. So at 49, he's a, he's a great value pick. Um, and I would certainly um, consider him in a lot of situations, and particularly if he falls further than 49, which is actually the case in a lot of leagues, um, because that average uh, draft position of 49 actually reflects picks that were made before that mark as well as after. So another name that jumps off the page at me here is Josh Giddy. So he's currently going at 57. And I may as well tie this in with his teammate, Jalen Williams, who's going at 59. So where I think Josh Giddy is potentially going a little bit too high, 
I think Jalen Williams is going a little bit too low. So Giddy uh, made massive steps last season. He improved his uh, three-point percentage, uh, which means he's going to be uh, able to stay on the court a lot longer. He busted out multiple triple-double games, and he gets you a sort of all-important rebound uh, statistic uh, at sort of that guard slot, even though I do think he is... Uh, listed as a power forward as well as a point guard um, on fan tracks where FBI does most of their leagues. The issue is with Giddy that there's a lot of turnovers and his overall shooting percentages, including his free throw percentages, aren't quite where we'd like to see them. Does he take a leap forward this season and continue his improvement from last season, which was actually one of the bigger improvements across the league? Or does he sort of keep uh, more of the same, um, sort of plateauing on those percentages and potentially losing some usage uh, with the addition of Chet Holmgren um, and uh, a, on, a, uh, on an OKC team that is looking to push into the playoffs? Um, I know that Basketball Monster has him ranked somewhere um, in the 80s. And where I saw him going uh, at around this position, uh, 57, or in a lot of cases, a lot earlier, in the recent World Cup uh, drafts, he, he seems to be slipping. And in the uh, division that I'm in, I believe it wasn't until the late 60s um, that he went. On the flip side, we've got Jalen Williams, who's ranked in this ADP data, uh, data at 59. He is a little bit lower than that on Basketball Monster. And... He has been also sliding in drafts. I've routinely seen him going in the 60s, and I believe I took him in the 60s. Um, actually, it was the yeah, it was in the 60s in the World Cup um, draft that we're doing at the moment. There seems to be a lot of speculation that all those things I said about Giddy just before um, the addition of Chet Holmgren, um, the fact that they're going to be trying to push into a playoff position, etc. Um, we'll sort of see uh, the Bronco, um, Jalen Williams' uh, role be sort of muted versus where it was um, to end up the season last year. Uh, but I just don't think that's the case at all. I think that um, he showed uh, he had a remarkable rookie uh, performance, finishing in the top three of Rookie of the Year voting. And I just don't see any reason why that's not going to continue um, into this season. He's a low-usage guy um, by nature, so he doesn't necessarily need the ball to be impactful. And I think the biggest fear is that his high steal rate, um, which was incredible to close out last season, um, drops back a bit, which would take him back from that sort of top 30 player he was um, over the last eight weeks of um, last season um, to something more in the, the realm of like the 60 to 80 mark. Um, so just a personal preference here, but I think that um, we can, we're can we going to see more of the same out of Jalen Williams. And I actually think that there's um, considerable capacity for him to take a further step up versus where he was last season with the whole offseason um, to, uh, you know, develop his body, keep working on his skills and his shooting. Uh, I certainly think that um, Jalen Williams is poised for a big season. So we're cracking on quite a bit faster here without... Um, any banter with Doc uh, without um, anyone to um, throw these opinions off. So I'll just get cracking and jump into the next round, which is round six. So in round six, um, a couple of names that uh, are standing out pretty, well, I'm going to go with three names in this range here. 
um, just because I think they each have uh, interesting um, uh, commentary to be uh, made about them. So the first one is Brooke Lopez. So Brooke Lopez, current ADP is 64. Um, I'm going to say that I feel this is a bit high. So uh, Brooke actually smashed this last season. He was, um, you know, in totals, he was, I believe, a second-round guy. Um, he was considerably higher than this, even in his per-game um, values. Um, but he's 35, I believe, maybe even pushing um, 36, uh, which is quite old and just particularly old for a sort of a, a big man as well. Um, these type of players uh, tend to have a precipitous uh, drop-off uh, around this stage of their career or, in a lot of cases, much earlier. Um, I believe that uh, Giannis wasn't 100% for a lot of the season um, last season. His knee was bothering him. He did take a lot of rest games. And Brooke really needed to step up um, and uh, sort of... Uh, increase his defensive impact um, to make up for that. Um, on the flip side of that, on the offensive end, uh, the Bucks were without Chris Middleton for a lot of last season, which meant that Brooke needed to step up on that offensive end of the floor. So with an off-season um, under each of their belts, um, Giannis and um, Chris both seem to be um, in a better physical shape which means that the uh, requirement for Brooke to step in and help um, both on the offensive and defensive end um, is going to diminish somewhat. But, of course, the big elephant in the room is the addition of Damian Lillard, who is going to take a lot of the offensive load, a lot of which I think is going to come off Brooke. So at 35 going on 36 and with a team of more healthy and more offensive-minded players, I think that um, Giannis is going to be able to help more on the defensive end um, and Dame is going to help a lot more on the offensive end and that's going to minimise what um, Brooke can do. So I'm certainly not looking to draft him um, at 64 as his ADP uh, suggests that you should take him. So the next player off the rank is um, DeAndre Ayton. So I've got him at pick 65. Now, um, this... ADP data was obviously generated prior to the, uh, the the trade with the Suns, the Blazers and the Bucks, which saw DeAndre Ayton um, heading to uh, the Trailblazers, where he is going to have a much greater offensive role on the team. So um, I think that everyone would be in agreement that um, taking DeAndre out of a situation where, one, he was unhappy um, at the Suns, and two, where there's three, uh, I guess, ball-dominant um, playmakers in KD, Beal and Booker, and then putting him onto a sort of a younger, um, up-and-coming, developing Portland team, he's going to get more run. Uh, he's going to potentially get a, a fraction more minutes than he was seeing on um, on, he would have seen on the Suns. But most importantly, he's going to be much more involved, you would think, in, in the offense. So if that's the case, um, we could see um, Aiton's um, points totals pushing up. Um, they really don't have a lot of rebounding on this team. Um, they've basically got no forwards outside of Jeremy Grant, uh, who's not a strong rebounder. And they don't really have a lot of depth at the center position. So DeAndre, I believe, will be expected to be hunting down those boards, and I think we can see those uh, moving up. 
And similarly, um, I think that uh, his uh, shooting percentages, both free throw and field goal, should remain relatively consistent. And um, given he will have a like a bigger remit on the defensive end, we could see those blocks and even steals to a certain degree um, pushing up. So uh, DeAndre is now going uh, pretty squarely in the fourth round um, based off the, the World Cup uh, uh, draft results that I've seen. And uh, with that in mind, 65 uh, ADP is way too low. So the last guy in this fifth round um, that, sorry, this sixth round, I should say, that we're going to have a, a really brief mention of is Ja Morant. So at 67, it's probably about the right place uh, to take him. He's obviously suspended uh, for the first, I believe it's 25 games of the season. And uh, for my calculations, that brings you through somewhere into, uh, you know, that mid-December range. In fact, I think he gets back on the game either before or on Christmas Day. So taking Jar is a bit of a risk for a few reasons. Number one, you know, our seasons, we try and end the season kind of mid-March, mid to late March, allowing, you know, maybe a three-week buffer at the end so that we're not playing uh, in, you know, in the silly season where uh, people are resting or um, let's be more charitable, teams are sort of trotting out their young guys um, to get a better look at them. Um, <clears throat> so um, that means that the season is a bit shorter um, than it otherwise might be. And uh, we also have a two-week uh, championship matchup. You've got the two-week all-star break. Um, and it's a th three rounds of finals. So they really are kicking off, um, you know, in that, in that really in that February zone, early February. So if Jar's coming back Christmas Day and then the playoffs are starting early February, it's around six weeks of matchups or so, six or seven weeks of matchups that you're likely to have Jar available for um, when he's already missed like seven. So you basically get half a regular season out of him um, and then into playoffs. So in competitive leagues, and this might not apply to your home league or a less competitive league where you can basically ride out those first seven weeks of the season, um, get a get a few wins on the board, maybe you lose a couple, maybe there's a draw in there, and it doesn't really matter. You get Jar come back in, you recover, you make the playoffs, and it, it's a good move. Specifically in the FBI leagues where it's a bit more competitive, if you're taking, you know, in the sixth round, someone like um, Ja Morant and he's giving you donuts for the first half of the season, can be quite difficult to remain competitive with the rest of the league. And if your win-loss record is such at Christmas time that you're sitting maybe second bottom of the ladder, even when Ja comes back and you start firing on all cylinders, uh, it might but not be enough to sneak you into that eighth spot so that you can make playoffs. And then even if you do get into the eighth spot, you're getting matched up against the top 10. So it is a bit risky um, to take Jar, um, I think, when you're playing in a competitive league. The other thing, of course, is, all right, he comes back, you know, Christmas Day. He's training with the team. He's travelling with them. Um, he's, not, he's not attending the games, but he is presumably staying in shape um, and so on. But is there going to be some rust to shake off? Um, is he going to be eased back into it? Is he going to be sitting back-to-backs? Is he going to be playing lower minutes? I think all of those things are possible. So, 
when you account for you've already missed half of the regular season, then you might have a one, two, three-week sort of um, lead-in time with him getting back up to, uh, you know, full duties. Um, yeah, I think that just underscores why you should be cautious about taking Jar so early. Of course, if he slips a round or two, you know, grab him, stash him, put him in the IR uh, and off to the races. Moving in uh, to the next round here, uh, which is round seven, uh, a couple of names that are jumping off the page at me here are, all right, let's go with Mark Williams. So Mark Williams' ADP is 78. His ADP a couple of months ago was more like 98. So he's already come up sort of 20 spots in the ranks um, over the past six weeks or so. And I think that was largely fueled, of course, by people coming back um, and participating in drafts and a sort of a broader um, uh, a broader number of uh, people drafting. Um, so the consensus is kind of pushing him up for that reason, perhaps. But I think a, l- a lot of the rationale uh, regarding his uh, meteoric rise is uh, the likes of Basketball Monster, where he is has been projected very, very high. So um, uh, particularly if you've got turnovers turned on, uh, Mark's kind of coming in in that fifth round as a really high potential target um, for people to take. So some people are taking him in that 50 to 60 zone, which I think is a little foolhardy. Um, That's the the Mark Williams that we all hope to see. Um, I guess some of us expect to see this season but we haven't really seen him put it together for an extended period yet. And, you know, we think that he's going to be the starting centre. I'm pretty confident that he will be. But is he going to get minutes in the 30s, mid-30s? Or is he going to be more in a minute split um, with some of the other centres on that team, maybe a Nick Richards or, or something along those lines? So there's that factor. Does he split minutes with the other centres on the team? Another factor would be is, like, have we seen him staying out of foul trouble um, consistently um, and then producing over a long period of time? The answer to that is also no. So we haven't necessarily seen him do it yet, is my point. And while he might sort of finish a top 50, top 60 guy, um, you're sort of taking away a lot of the upside if you're taking him in that range. So at 78, there is still some upside there, but I think also a reasonable amount of downside too. Um, And yeah, as I said, in the World Cup, he's certainly been going higher than 78, um, not necessarily escaping that sixth round um, in most of the leagues I've seen. So at 78, I don't think Mark's going to end up on a lot of my teams and he hasn't for the last few weeks or so. Um, now I think there's another couple of centres around this range that um, I think I would maybe take it at a wing in, in this area and then wait around to get a centre. Uh, but Mark Williams is certainly an interesting character, uh, interesting prospect that may have a, have a big season. One last thing on Mark Williams is um, we recent, Adam King recently sort of uh, did an exercise uh, with a lot of the analysts um, that we're in um, pretty tight-knit communications with, we all put forward um, three players that we thought would um, pop this season. Uh, so it's sort of like a marker, uh, and Adam's going to review it mid-season and come back and review it after the season. So watch out for that tweet. I don't think it's out yet. But 
Um, I think that's going to be very interesting to sort of see how those players um, that are nominated perform over the course of the season. And one thing I will say is that Mark Williams was a, featured on a number of those analyst lists. So people are certainly uh, pricing in a much better season for Mark um, than they have or they did in his rookie season, uh, which is understandable. Another name uh, in this round that jumps off the page at me is um, Jalen Green at 84. So I have been taking Jalen Green in quite a number of leagues, um, mostly in the, in the 90s, maybe the early 100s is around the time that I have been taking him. But I have obviously seen him going earlier and with an ADP, uh, well, rank of 84, ADP of 85.83, that obviously means that he has been getting grabbed earlier um, by a lot of people. We were, I, I think I was guilty of this too, last season, um, coming into last season, people were a bit hot on Jalen Green. They expected him to take a bigger leap forward than he did in the end take last season, and he was getting taken kind of in the sixth round. Um, so, you know, the seventh round here is quite a lot more reasonable for Jalen um, than, than in that sixth round period. But uh, I don't think it's where I would feel comfortable taking him. Maybe uh, around two rounds, even three rounds later, yes. Um, but in this seventh round, the reason that I wouldn't look at taking him so much is because while he does deliver a uh, really healthy amount of points, roughly 24 points a game, um, the rest of his statistics are pretty hollow. So not much in the way of defensive stack, uh, stats. It's not elite at three-pointers. Um, you're not getting a lot of boards out of him. Uh, and then his field goal percentage is obviously not what you would like um, with any player. And, you know, unless you are punting field goal percentage, um, he's not really um, going to deliver you that value unless he takes a considerable leap up. And I'm just not sure he's going to do that this season uh, in the way that we would like to see in Houston and that's mostly because, you know, it's a very crowded team in the sense that there are a lot of young prospects there. They're going to want to get the ball into the hands of others. Um, Fred Van Vliet, Dylan Brooks um, have both joined the team as well as a couple of other vets like um, Jeff Green. Um, so there's probably just going to be less usage uh, to go around. And while Jalen might actually give you a healthy point scoring outlook, just not sure that he gets the bandwidth to be able to develop in those other areas. So it's going to be interesting to see how this season plays out with Jalen. Could be completely wrong. He could really take another step up with uh, Ime Udoka there uh, and a bit of a more disciplined regime in place. Maybe he thrives in that situation. Uh, but, yeah, at 84, not for me. Um, given, given to me at 104, though, I'll, I'll take him. I'll take him there, no problems, and get that scoring boost. And just for reference, uh, another player that's going just four spots ahead of him, uh, who I'd much rather have is Anthony Simons, who's uh, got an ADP there or an ADP rank of 80. Um, I've seen him going in the 60s pretty consistently in the World Cup. So there's another uh, there's another bloke who's just absolutely shooting up draft boards. Right. Moving into round eight, and I'm absolutely flying through. These are could get through the whole uh, 14 rounds by the end of this pod. Getting into round eight. All right, a couple of interesting names here. We've got Scoot Henderson, Trey Murphy, and I'll throw in one more here, uh, which is an interesting one. Um, let's go with let's go with Jabari Smith. So 
Scoot ADP uh, rank is 90. His actual his ADP value is 87.71, but it's 90th overall. Trey is at 91 and Jabari is at 92. So all in a row, uh, 90, 91, 92. So Scoot has actually been, um, he's pretty consistently been going around this area. Um, people, even before the Dame trade, were pretty convinced that Dame wouldn't be around in Portland and uh, sort of rightly, in my view, um, surmised that Scoot would get uh, a fair bit of run over in Portland. He'd be the dominant playmaker alongside Anthony Simons and that we could expect a lot of, at the very least, um, uh, assists from him, um, if not um, if not points and, and, and threes as well. His three-point shot looked pretty good in Summer League. Um, so around 90 was where he was going. But um, I will report um, from the World Cup that he has definitely been dropping um, across those World Cup divisions in those drafts. Uh, I believe that in my league, he almost got back to me in the 11th round. So I was drafting at pick eight in the 11th round. Um, so something in the, oh, so that was the 10th round, actually. So um, I know it was the 11th round. Yeah. So he got taken about uh, round 11, pick one. So it's around uh, 121, I believe. So very, very late versus where he was going in this AAP data. Reason for that, again, it's the, it's the basketball monster um, stats that have come out where he has been projected for very, very low field goal percentage sort of subpar free throw percentage and not the type of uh, points um, scoring that uh, many of us thought he might be capable of in year one. So I believe they've got him in the mid-teens for points, uh, very inefficient. And they're sort of factoring in that, you know, there's going to be an adjustment period. And as a teenager coming into the NBA, um, it is going to take him some time to um, realise his full potential, which I, I totally get. So... Um, I didn't get Scoot a ton. Um, again, there were different guards that I preferred uh, in this area, um, like an Austin Reeves. Um, and there was some uncertainty about, you know, what was going to happen with Dame or other point guards would be coming back. Um, I, I, I was pretty sure that that wouldn't be the case, that other point guards wouldn't be coming back. Uh, the, the purpose of trading Dame was to get, to get, um, to get, <clears throat> Uh, to get Scoot his own sort of uh, airtime on the court. Um, but, yeah, long story short, um, you know, once he's getting into those hundreds, if you need assists, um, I'd be prepared to take a gamble on him there. Uh, I think he, both his percentages could be significantly better than what they're projected at. Um, and I think his point scoring could be better too. So particularly now that he's uh, sort of guaranteed to have the keys um, to the Cadillac um, over in um, Portland, I am relatively comfortable taking him in the ninth and 10th round um, in drafts, but not any earlier. Moving on to Trey Murphy the third. Uh, Trey is a, uh, he's a guy that obviously has been slipping dramatically down draft boards. He was going in the sixth round pretty consistently most of the offseason. Um, there's a lot of hype around Trey uh, on different um, NBA podcasts um, with, uh, you know, even though he did break out last season, well and truly broke out um, last season, um, a, a lot of analysts are sort of predicting a further breakout this season and uh, sort of even 
projecting him as an all-star. Um, he obviously uh, hurt his meniscus and he's going to miss the start of the season. So I believe he's currently projected to come back around mid-November. I reckon on that Pelicans team, uh, you probably find that they're slightly more cautious um, than that and probably expect him back to sort of start December. Um, he is going to miss that sort of uh, five, first five, six weeks of the season. Uh, it's around the same amount of time as, as Jar's going to miss, maybe a little bit less. So with that in mind, um, it's all the same things I said about Jar before. Um, with a truncated season where you've got maybe a, you know, 14 matchup regular season, um, uh, Trey Murphy's going to miss maybe up to half um, of those matchups, and then he's going to need a period of ramping up to get back to sort of where he was to end last season. Also with Trey, a lot of that value does come from lack of turnovers. So for those of us who don't factor that in too much, um, I guess you need to factor that in as well. Uh, at 91, I think it's a reasonable, uh, it's a much more reasonable in some ways than taking Jar um, in that mid-60s range um, because you're not really leaving too much on the table to, you know, take Trey in that area and then and then stash him. Uh, in the World Cup, he's certainly been falling down much further. I believe my draft is up to about 120 or so at the moment and he's still on the board last time I checked, which totally makes sense because of the reasons that we, we said earlier. The World Cup uh, playoffs begin on the 8th of Jan. So if he's getting back mid-December and he has a few weeks ramping up, you're sort of going through that whole regular season um, without your without your eighth round pick. So interesting spot for Trey there at 91. I think in some situations could be good, um, but in others, really detrimental. So moving on to Jabari, the last guy that we'll chat about in this round. Um, you know, his projections have him significantly lower than this. Uh, sort of lackluster on the, you know, it's like a slight positive with points. Uh, and, you know, a bit decent on threes, um, kind of in and around there on blocks. Um, lower free throw percentage than I guess you would expect for a shooter. And he obviously had, a, I, I guess, like a poor rookie campaign by a lot of measurements. So um, Jabari at 92, I do think that there is significant upside with that scope for dramatic improvement. We sort of saw it in summer league to a certain degree, and it was almost like a microcosm of maybe his first year one and year two, where the first game in summer league, he stunk it up. Um, or actually, it wasn't the first, the whole first game. I think it was like just the first half. And then he sort of came out all guns blazing uh, in the next half and then proceeded to have like multiple 30-point games before they pulled him from summer league. So he seems to be in form. Um, he's a big guy. Um, he can um, conceivably play at centre. Uh, I know that they've got other, they've got Al, Alperen Sengun on that team, um, which we'd all like to see get like 35 minutes. But uh, Adoka could realistically start running Smith at centre quite frequently. That would be at the expense of Sengun, but it would mean that, um, you know, that Jabari is getting more time on the floor and probably more usage um, as well if he's going to be playing uh, as a centre in that starting five. Um, so at 92, I sort of think that's 
his floor. And that is going against, I guess, what he's projected out at. I just think that as a shooter and like looking at his tape in college, he's got to be a better free throw shooter than projected. I just can't see how such a, a strong shooter could be not more elite at the line. So I think he's going to bump that up. I think he's going to be shooting more uh, and have the ball in his hands, be more of the focal point in the offense, you know, alongside the other, you know, the Jalen Greens and Fred Van Beats of the world. Hopefully, Brooksy's not going to uh, sort of um, rob him of that opportunity. Um, but I really think that with a, a full offseason with the team and a better coach and more discipline uh, and the recent form that he's been showing that um, he could just be shooting at a higher rate could get more of the ball, which would mean his points would go up, his threes would go up, um, and uh, his overall fantasy um, impact would go up as well. So I do like that there uh, for Jabari, and I have taken him earlier than 92 on multiple occasions. Right. Moving into the next round, which is the ninth round, um, a couple of interesting names that jump off the page at me here. Uh, let's go with uh, Trey Jones, whose rank is 108, ADP also 108. Um, Trey Jones is actually not a player that I've had a lot of interest in in previous years. Um, even last year when he hey, was sort of um, projected to get that starting role in um, San Antonio at point guard, which ultimately he did get. Um, I wasn't that enamoured with uh, his play, just like the eye test watching him um, on that Spurs team. And I didn't really think that he would live up to the hype um, at all. So he sort of proved me wrong and proved me right last year. He definitely played a lot of minutes and his assists were really fantastic. I mean, for someone um, you're getting at the back end of the ninth round to get the, you know, seven, eight, nine assists a game. And obviously, you know, he was getting more than that on some occasions. That's really good to pick up so late um, in your drafts. Um, and he's also been quite good at steals um, as well, I should say. Uh, and he did, uh, he wasn't quite as elite as people thought he was going to be, but um, still a very healthy amount of steals per game. Um the problem is that, you know, the, the, the point scoring didn't really come along with it. So um, where you would have liked to see him you know, pushing up into the high teens, 16, 17, 18 points a game, didn't quite get there. He sort of stuck it around that, you know, a dozen, dozen or so points a game. Um, but at 108, um, for the reasons I mentioned before, uh, really good steal, um, sorry, really good assists and uh, very healthy steals. Uh, in in a lot of builds, that's really, really strong to get that um, at that point in the draft. And, of course, um, as we know, uh, assists tend to dry up uh, pretty precipitously. Um, and just the ability to get him there um, is, uh, is, is, is a really good option. And in the World Cup, I've got a punt blocks build. Really, really wanted him in this, uh, in this ninth round. I took um, – I ended up – I was sort of forced into taking – uh, a centre uh, or a big man, I should say, beforehand because I uh, hadn't taken many in the first few rounds. Um, went with uh, John Collins in the previous round. I really wanted to get Trey in this next round and got sniped the pick before me. So so it goes. Um, all right. So that's the first guy from that ninth round. Um, another guy that we've got there is Jalen Duran. 
So he's actually like a full 10 spots ahead of Trey in terms of the uh, his rank. So he's coming at 98. Um, the ADP is also 98.32, so um, bang on. Uh, for me, this is a bit early. Um, Jalen Duran hype train is, um, is real. Um, uh, a lot of people sort of see his freak athleticism. They look at his age uh, and they get quite excited about you know, the, the, the potential for massive rebounds, uh, multi-blocks per game, um, and uh, view him as like a, a full-blown sleeper um, at this uh, ADP. I'm not quite in that camp. I worry about the amount of minutes that he's going to get. I believe Josh, Kyle have got him projected in that sort of 30 to 32 minutes a game. I think that could be a bit high. He obviously didn't get quite so high last season, um, although he did finish out the season playing sort of in that range of minutes. Just not sure that he even gets the starting position um, in Detroit, to be frank with you. Um, forgive me if uh, on media day or in the last day or two, um, someone from Detroit's come out and said something different to that. But last I heard was it's still a bit up in the air. Yeah, I think as um, fantasy players, um, we see statistical potential in someone like Jalen Duran. And we think to ourselves that it's like so obvious that Jalen will go into the starting lineup because look at who else is around him. It's, um, you know, it's Isaiah Stewart. It's uh, James Wiseman. It's Marvin Bagley who have been, uh, have had much less statistical upside um, in the minutes that they've played um, over the previous years. Um, But, and and for that reason, we kind of um, talk ourselves um, into thinking that, you know, Jalen is a sure thing starter. I just don't think that's the case um, at all. And uh, listening to some podcasts with, um, you know, uh, Pistons experts, I'm talking about um, obviously Josh's podcast where he had a sort of a, a rundown in Detroit, although in that one they were a bit more bullish about Duran's role, but also um, the likes of uh, Real GM Radio um, and, and dunked on with uh, Nate Duncan and Danny LaRue. Um, the guests that they had on were a bit more pessimistic about Jalen's uh, ability to be that starter from day one of this season and, frankly, uh, at any time during the season. So a lot of speculation that it could be Isaiah Stewart starting at the five there um, and that Jalen could come off the bench. So if any of those sort of, um, you know, and just before I go on, it is worth noting that you've got Wiseman and Bagley who will be getting some minutes Um Wiseman in a like a contract extension um, year, so um, you know they will be getting a last look at him and deciding how they they move forward or back. And Bagley obviously already been paid and on a contract, he will have some kind of role on this team. So with the competition uh, at the big man slots, um, and with uh, a little bit more doubt than I think is consensus about where Jalen starts a season and his ability to lock up that um, starting role long term. I can just see a scenario where instead of 32 minutes, it's more like 26, 27. Um, and, you know, he's not going to return the type of value uh, that people are expecting. And therefore, this um, position would be much too high for him. The other thing, of course, is we just don't know how Monty Williams is going to prioritise these players. Um, and, you know, uh, there's we, we have no evidence to suggest that uh, that he's going to prioritise Jalen Duran whatsoever. 
All right, so moving into where are we? This is the 10th round. Uh, a few names that jump off the list here. Um, well, I couldn't really do this podcast without talking about one of my, uh, one of my, I guess, pop picks for uh, this season who has, seems to be on almost all of my teams, although he was sniped the pick before me in the World Cup draft um, just uh, not so long ago, um, like a, an hour or so ago, and that's Shaden Sharp. So Shaden here is uh, both a, a rank and an ADP of 118. Um, Shaden is uh, quite plausibly going to be a st the starter on, uh, it's probably going to be a starting small forward on the Portland uh, Trailblazers. I'm sort of uh, projecting that starting five to be Scoot, Anthony Simons, um, Shaden Sharp, Jeremy Grant and DeAndre Ayton. Um, so I'm, you know, so, so a couple of things on Shaden. One, um, you know, he's going to be starting and uh, they've already, the, the Blazers have signaled that they plan to play him start as minutes. So he's going to be getting a lot of run. Second thing that's related to that is we actually saw like Shaden getting a lot of run to end last season where he did look very interesting um, as a starter, inefficient. Um, did score quite a few points, surprising defensive stats. Um, so I guess what I'm saying here is like we've seen Shaden in a starting role getting healthy minutes and producing, and he's projected to start this season um, and he's going to get minutes. One thing I will say is that um, even though he is going to get minutes um, most likely and he's going to be a starter and all the rest of it, it is still a bit of a different situation to last season in a sense that where he more or less had the keys uh, and he was, uh, you know, facilitating the offense quite a bit in that that sort of um, that stretch uh, to end last season. He's not necessarily going to have that same role this season with Anthony Simons there, with Scoot there. They're probably going to take a lot of that ball handling and offense initiating responsibility. So um, just as to pour a little bit of cold water on my own hype uh, before I get into it, is that, you know, his role might not actually be exactly what it was to, to end last season. But what we did see to end last season was real sort of um, scoring uh, potential. Um, he, well, it wasn't potential. He actually realised that and he, he, did, he did score a lot um, uh, to end last season. We also saw uh, him playing just above the rim, um, you know, really uh, going uh, right at some of the best centres in the league. I think uh, there was one highlight where just, right at Triple J and, um, you know, finished around the rim um, just, you know, with, with Triple J in his face. To me, that was really encouraging. Uh, I really think that he's got a good feel for the game. He basically missed his whole um, college season. So um, he sort of missed the development that comes with that as well. And last season, I think he progressed way faster than people were expecting. Um, so if that sort of rate of improvement continues, um, he could really um, step into a bigger role um, than we're expecting. Um, and either way, I still think that we're going to see uh, high scoring out of him. Uh, you know, I reckon 20 points a game is, uh, is probably where I'd have him at. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him score, have some games where he's scoring, uh, you know, in the high 20s. Um, I think that he can, uh, he, might, he might take some um, steps forward in his defense. He's already uh, a healthy shot blocker for his position. 
Um, and if he can add some steals onto that, um, he's already got pretty decent field goal percentage. Uh, so that really is a good mix for uh, success in my view. And uh, I think free throw percentage is something that can be improved and often does improve in year two. So Shaden, I love, um, I pick 118 there. Uh, even though it technically is in the 10th round and uh, that's where I personally like to sort of focus more on sure things, I really do put him in that category. So the other guy that I'm going to talk about here is uh, Ben Simmons. So he is going uh, nine slots higher than Shaden at 109. When we started draft only uh, this season uh, in July, he was going undrafted in some leagues. Like he, for me, he was like a great um, 14th round pick. Um, he's obviously come in and come in and come in and I was taking him in round 13 and round 12 in some leagues. Uh, but now I think it's just uh, gone way too far the other way. Um, he, I believe in uh, our World Cup um, division, he went around the ninth round, um, possibly in this 10th round. Actually, probably was around this spot where this ADP is, but I've seen him in other divisions going sort of... Um, yeah, seventh round, eighth round, or, you know, I think one even in the late sixth. So he does have a sort of very enticing stat set uh, with particularly his assists, rebounds, and steals, which is a not a common combination. So if you're punting blocks or you're punting points, uh, it's a fantastic, um, you know, uh, fantastic uh, statistical profile for you to add to your team. Um as we see sort of uh, with Ben Simmons at different times, um, we get these leaked videos uh, or images of him working out or, you know, making shots. I think I saw one yesterday where, he, oh, Ben Simmons hit 10 free throws in a row. Um, he's turned the corner, you know, that kind of commentary. I think that um, contributes to uh, him getting overblown and moving up into that seventh or eighth, even ninth round where I think it's a bit too high. Um, and I also think that those really strong Z scores um, on Basketball Monster in those three categories I mentioned before, uh, rebounds, assists and um, steals, uh, has also got people really excited with him because what those strong Z scores uh, sort of translate to is like as soon as you turn off turnovers and particularly if you turn off, uh, you know, like a points or a blocks, you're punting them, uh, he really does um, project, um, you know, by the Basketball Monster guys to be, you know, in 60s or 70s worth of value um so for me i think with simmons we've we really have had a couple of seasons where he hasn't done much his value has really declined uh around the league amongst gms um and so on and he was he was actually minimized quite substantially in brooklyn last season um i know he did have some injury issues but i guess i would be more inclined to expect more of the same even though I am hoping for a dramatic improvement. Like he's an Aussie, he's actually from Melbourne and he's actually uh, went to school, you know, 10, 15 Ks from here. Um, so, you know, it's a guy that I root for. I've got his jersey. Um, but until I really see him put together um, a good stretch of the old Ben Simmons, I'm still quite sceptical about it. And for that reason, I find that, um, you know, over the last month or, or, or six weeks or so, and including in this World Cup, I don't feel comfortable taking him 
you know, in that eighth or ninth round, I let it slide and then he's gone. So if you do want him, you realistically, I think you need to be, uh, I think it's that ninth round that you need to be targeting him. All right, moving into the 11th round here. Um, and uh, I'm going to probably burn through these last four rounds um, a bit faster. I don't know that I've been burning through them already, um, but like this, uh, this, like this 11th round, is possibly not as many interesting players to to talk about, but um, in this eleventh round, I'll talk about Calden Johnson. Um, his rank is one hundred and twenty four. His average um, draft position is one hundred and twenty one. I think I think Calden is actually suffering um, from uh, his ADP is suffering from people being very pessimistic about him. Um, he didn't have a bad season last year. Yes, he's got a very sort of empty statistical profile. Uh, very, very points heavy. Good in a points league, um, but in a you know in a categories league where his percentages aren't the best, they sort of drag him down a bit. And then the rest of what he does is very, very empty. Um, he, he has been going very, very late. And uh, 124 uh, for Calden. You know, yes, he's I, like I think his variance is actually. Um, smaller than a lot of these other players. Like you do see him going in the mid-teens, um, but then you also do see him falling like down to like 140, uh, you know, or so, which is, is pretty wild that he'd be falling into that 13th round. The main thing that Calden's going to do for you is going to give you a points boost, um, you know, which I think in round 11 where we're discussing right now, um, if, you, if, you're, if you're needing a good, if you're, if you're sort of lagging behind in points and it's a competitive category, which it typically is in a lot of leagues, um, then getting him in this 11th round is actually quite a worthy pick. Um, does he have potential for upside? I think the answer to that um, against consensus is that actually maybe yes, right? So for all the reasons that people are sort of down on Calden, that he has an empty statistical profile, he only scores points, that's all he does. And now we've got Victor Wembanyama coming on the team, um, expecting Sohan to take a step up um, and so on. And therefore, Calden's points might go down. I think for those same reasons, um, his efficiency actually might go up. And then maybe there's uh, an opportunity for him to focus on his um, defensive statistics a little bit more as well. So Calden isn't getting the same usage as he was getting last year. I think that's probably accurate. He is going to have the ball in his hands less. He's going to be taking less shots. He's going to be scoring less points. But maybe that means that he does that, that scores those points more efficiently. And maybe that gives him uh, or sort of refocuses his attention on what he can do on the defensive end. I know that's a big what if and probably won't happen. But if he can push up those steals and blocks uh, a little bit, particularly the steals, uh, and if he can become more efficient, particularly um, in that field goal area, um, he could return that value but in a, or even a better value, but just in a way that you're not necessarily expecting. Um, the other guy that I'll talk about in this zone here is um, all reasonably vanilla, but we can go with um, we go with two other um, point guards or two point guards here, Russell Westbrook and Mike Conley, going back to back in terms of their ADP, one twenty five and one twenty six respectively. Uh, I think they both suffer from somewhat of a similar uh, rationale for letting them drop. So getting older, um, on the decline, 
um, and can we expect them to deliver for a full season? Um, I think that's their similarities. Um, in Russell Westbrook's case, it's probably more around uh, his percentages, including his free throw percentages, uh, percentage isn't great. Um, I guess a, a lack in trust in Westbrook, um, given sort of some of his uh, trials and tribulations in LA. But I guess with uh, Rusty, um, yeah, he's going to give you poor free throw percentage and he takes a few of them too, which is an ideal. Um, but he is going to be the starting point guard um, on the Clippers. Um, and at this stage, while we don't know what's going on with Harden, uh, personally, I feel like he will be on the Clippers to start the NBA season. Um, but Rusty, um, at this point, without Harden there, uh, he's going to be the starter. And um, he is going to be... Uh, treated like a starter by the other players. He's going to get the ball. He's going to he's going to contribute to the offense, um, and you know he's going to get assists. Um, I think that, I think those things are, are, are for sure. So if you can eat his uh, rubbish percentages, then I guess Russell's a, a fairly decent pick uh, in that area, uh, and could return slightly better value. And uh, some other tidbit I heard about Russell Westbrook this morning was uh, apparently he called a all uh, player meeting. Um, in Las Vegas um, last week. And the whole team turned up. I think it was only Batum and uh, one of the other, oh, Marcus Morris and maybe one of the other older vets that didn't go. Um, but what that says to me is that if Rusty is calling an all-player meeting in Vegas and these guys have to fly there and make a big effort to go there, he's basically taking on a leadership team a leadership position on the Clippers. You know, Paul George doesn't seem to be his cup of tea, that leadership stuff. And Kawhi also doesn't seem to be that sort of proactive leader either. And if Russell is taking on that responsibility, to me it sort of says that he's really entrenching what I said at the start, which is like, I'm a starter, I'm an integral part of this team. And for that reason, I probably feel a bit more comfortable about taking him because he does seem to be a sort of a uh, a key a key part of what this team is going to do going into this season. Uh, on the flip side, I mentioned it before, James Harden could come along. I think that really hurts Rusty. So I think keep your eyes on that. Um, probably wouldn't be taking Rusty at all if uh, if Jimmy Harden um, comes to the Clips. Uh, even though I do expect that Rusty would stay on the team in that scenario. All right, moving into the next round. Uh, what are we up to now? This is uh, round, uh, I think that was that was round 11. This is round 12. Um, quite a number of interesting names in this section, actually, quite a number of them. Um, so we've got uh, Asaw Thompson, Tari Eason, Paul Reed, Armin Thompson, Benedict Matherin, Jeremy Sohan, Patrick Williams, all in this zone. So um, I'm not going to go through each one of those players, um, but I will uh, I will talk about a couple of them. But I mentioned them all because actually you're getting into this, uh, this 12th round and um, there's quite a number of players that I like there and I'd be perfectly happily taking them in that 11th round. So those names I mentioned before, um, given that they're all sort of bunched together, I'd be targeting those guys as early as the 11th round. 
But just to pick a couple out, let's go with Paul Reed. I spoke to Josh Lloyd about it on his podcast um, the other day. Josh, you had him at about 108, which I said was too high. Um, but at 136, I think that's absolutely um, fantastic value there for, for Reed. Um, I passed on him with about pick, uh, must have been about pick 116, 117 in the, in the FBI World Cup just now, but that was only because um, his statistical profile didn't really match what I was doing, and I'm sure that he's probably already off the board. Uh, but as I said, at 108, I think that's too high for Paul. Um, people are really, I mean, he has been going off draft boards, and I don't think you're going to get him in the 12th round anymore. Uh, I think I, I think the 10th round is probably where he's actually going. Um, but, you know, Nick Nurse came out and said that, you know, he reminds him of Pascal Siakam. There was a clip on um, Twitter going around that really sort of um, had, was an interview with Nick Nurse where he was pumping up his tyres quite substantially. Um, I think there is a possibility that he, um, you know, gets a lot of – it gets more than just a backup but he gets more minutes than just backing up um, Embiid, which would be something like, you know, that'd be maybe 12 to 18 minutes a game just backing up um, uh, Embiid. But I think what he could real- realistically do is start to eat into PJ Tucker's minutes um, and um, pick up some some minutes at the power forward spot there as well. Um, I think with this Harden trade, there's a realistic possibility that PJ Tucker goes out the door as well, which again would elevate Reed. Uh, and then, as we know, his statistical profile is fantastic, particularly blocks, steals, and boards. So he's going to get you those defensive stats, which are quite hard to come by. Particularly this, uh, well, actually, they're not that hard to come by at this stage of the draft. Blocks are, but not steals. Um, but that combo of boards, blocks, and steals, um, and good field goal percentage is really good to pick up in the later rounds of draft. So if you are seeing him anywhere past. Uh, in round 11 or later, in great upside um, flyer to take. And certainly where his ADP is at 136, anything up to around there would be a fantastic score, in my opinion. Um, but, yeah, uh, the 10th the round is probably a bit, rich, uh, a bit rich for my blood personally. All right. Next guy here is um, is Armin. Oh, let's go with the let's go with the Thompson brothers, right? So we've got Asaw at 34, uh, 134 and then Armin at 137. The amount of leagues where they go back-to-back is just insane. It's like um, everyone's eyeing off the Thompson twins, and then as soon as one goes, the next one goes in the next pick or two, almost almost hands down. But um, anyway, we saw three spots higher than our men. I think the things to – I mean, the commentary on these two guys. One, I saw, uh, you know, he's more of a sort of a play, the playmaking twin, uh, and the, the idea is or the thought process is that he's going to be able to fit onto an NBA team uh, off the bat better than um, Armen, who's sort of more of a score-first um, option, would. Uh, and that he's going to pick up, uh, for that reason, and also just Detroit's roster construction, that he's probably going to be uh, in a position uh, to contribute more and, and sooner on that team. Uh, whereas with um, with his brother, uh, I, think, I, I guess the consensus is that, well, you know, that team's a bit more crowded, it's going to take him longer to ease into it. He's not going to get handed the keys and be the first uh, offensive or even the second offensive option, maybe the third or the fourth off- offensive option for some time. Um, and the, the sort of consensus there is that, like, yeah, Osor is probably the better pick for this season, whereas Armin's a better long-term prospect. Um, 
sort of agree with that to a certain degree. Of course, with Armen um, being on Houston and KPJ um, uh, unlikely to play this season, his prospects have been looking brighter um, this season. I have seen Armen start to go ahead of a saw in some situations. Um, but I think both these guys are equally good uh, in terms of um, being flyers uh, at this uh, stage in the draft. I actually have them both as really high-grade prospects. Uh, I think uh, our man is considered to be uh, a better prospect than Osor, but as identical twins, I don't necessarily make that distinction. I think Osor probably can do a lot of that stuff that Armen um, has been seen to do. He's just been filling a different role um, over the last couple of years, so we haven't seen it. Um, they both seem to have amazing attitudes and studying other players and um, really invested in their careers. Uh, and the other reports are, you know, from uh, people that have uh, worked with them and coached them and been their teammates that they're just um, absolutely dedicated individuals. So I think they both have the ability to pop this season. Um, and I think they're both worthy uh, flyers. But personally, I'd go for a saw in most situations just because of his uh, probably going to get more minutes, but also because he's projected to have uh, a much higher steal rate than Amen. And um, picking up a, uh, a guy that's going to give you some assists, um, going to give you some points and going to give you a really strong um, showing in steals, I just think that's really valuable um, in this part of the draft. And um, honestly, I'm hoping to get him in the next round of the of the FBI World Cup. Um, got my fingers crossed that he falls to me. So as I'm pushed to the hour mark here, um, there's realistically two rounds to go. Um, so given that we've come this far, I'm just going to finish this off um, and, and get to it. So um, round 13, uh, the player here that I'm going to quickly talk about is Dennis Schroeder. Uh, I think this is too low for him, um, personally. Um, he is going to be the starting point guard on the Toronto Raptors. Uh, he's coming off a fantastic World Cup. He was the MVP. His team won um, the World Cup. Um, and he played really well there. Um, and I think, actually, he played pretty reasonably in the playoffs a lot of the time. And something interesting about Dennis Schroeder is that his defense has really sort of come along over the last couple of seasons um, I remember there um, sort of, uh, where was he? He was on the Lakers. He declined that contract and he went somewhere else. Where was it? Uh, might have been Houston, actually. And uh, his value was really sort of in the gutter. Um, you know, he was uh, at that point in time, ball dominant, point guard, um, sort of wanted to be one of the main options on, on offense. But he's really uh, added that defensive component to his game, which I think, again, it's going to give him more minutes. And the fact that um, he's a starting uh, point guard in Toronto, that's going to ensure him a certain level of minutes as well. Um, replacing Fred Van Vliet, who was a hot, like a, uh, I said, it's a key part of the Toronto offense. I don't think teams can actually change scheme um, as quickly as we like to think. Uh, I'm not sure that Scotty Barnes necessarily steps into um, as an active uh, ball handler as much as a lot of people are projecting. So I think actually Dennis is going to get uh, a fair bit of run and have the ball in his hands a fair bit of the time and probably quite a lot in the second team as well. I don't think, I don't think Malachi Flynn's really going to be prioritised. So I think Dennis is going to have more usage and more responsibility than we're anticipating. And for that, I think all of his projections are probably a bit under. I think he's going to get more points. He's going to get more 
um, assist than uh, anticipated. And with his sort of new defensive focus, maybe the steals can come up a little bit uh, more as well. And he's obviously a decent free throw um, shooter and uh, he's not too bad on the field goals either. So I think Dennis Schroeder is a, is a pretty strong pick in that range and I certainly will be taking him um, when I get him there. Last, the other guy I will sort of mention um, in this round is Christian Wood. Um, his ADP started off uh, you know, higher than this, um, 10th round, 9th round, uh, and then really fell away over the offseason when he didn't get picked up by a team. And uh, he was getting undrafted in a lot of leagues um, before he eventually signed that contract with the Lakers. Um, now he's sort of shooting back up the boards. So weirdly, in our World Cup division, I think he went in like the ninth round, which is way too high, um, in my view. I mean, the manager could have waited at two rounds and still picked him up there, I reckon. Um, but anyway, um, I think the thinking is with him that, um, you know, he's probably the primary backup to AD. Um, and the, we sort of anticipate that AD is going to, you know, miss time. So I think that's a bit erroneous to anticipate that guys are going to miss time. But in AD's case, there are going to be games off and so on. So he could be good in spurts on the Lakers, um, Christian Wood. Um, but I don't think that at the minimum there, he's necessarily the um, fait accompli backup to AD um, that people expect him to be. Uh, I know Jackson Hayes isn't much top, but... He's also on the team. Um, I do think that they are going to see what they have with him and see how he can play with the others. So I do think that'll eat into Christian's minutes a bit. And I just don't think he's going to be sort of um, treated the same as he was on Dallas, where he was the sixth man at times. Um, I think he's going to be um, had a, a, a less prevalent role than he has had in previous seasons. So at this spot, 145, totally cool. Um, he has upside from here. Um, and uh, he could he'd probably outperform this value, and he definitely in some weeks he will. Um, but where he's going um, in a lot of leagues, 10th round, even ninth round, I think that's that's too high. And people are, I think they're thinking that he's going to have a similar role to what he did on Dallas to start last season, and I just don't think that's going to be the case. Final round here, um, some interesting names. Um yeah, final round here, some interesting names. All right, so who have we got? We've got um, in this zone, and sort of we're getting here to the point where the ADP data gets a little bit more spotty uh, in the sense that, you know, not every single player gets taken in every single draft. Um, so I'll go here with um, Obi Toppin and uh, Harrison Barnes. I'll end with someone that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, shitball here. So Obi Toppin. Fantastic flyer here, I think. 157 is the rank. 149 is the ADP. The disparity gets a bit greater towards the end of the draft for the reason I mentioned earlier. Not every player goes in every round. Uh, but Obi's um, often going, as like in the 10th round, I see that frequently. Um, I think uh, in the last few drafts, I've seen him go um, round 11. Um, so getting him in round 14, definitely that was plausible Um over the past few months, but he's definitely flown up draft boards. I think the idea here is that he'll be starting um, in Indiana um, or if not starting, he'll have a much better role than he did um, in uh, in New York. Um, I think even more importantly than that, the fit on Indiana where sort of his rim running and, um, you know, uh, ability to 
um, uh, you know, get out on the fast break is really going to be play to his strengths on this team. I think that's what people are getting sort of really hyped up on. Um, so, yeah, I do think he, for those reasons, he's a good flyer uh, in the last round, the second last round. Um, but I think sort of locking him into that role, you know, which is what you must be thinking if you're taking him in the ninth or 10th, you know, or even the 11th round, I think that's a bit of a mistake. Um, we know that that front court is crowded. You know, he's really going to be going head to head with Jairus Walker um, for those minutes. And while, you know, he's probably going to start um, the season off getting the lion's share of those minutes, if Jarris, um, you know, uh, develops, um, you know, reasonably quickly or quicker than that people are expecting, I think those minutes could get eaten away reasonably quickly. And also, you know, the Pacers might find that they don't value Obi so highly and for all the same reasons um, as they didn't uh, in New York, that they've got better options or that the style of play that you need to participate in to sort of get the most out of him, they're not really willing to sort of, you know, reorientate the whole offense just around Obi. They've got other players to prioritize there. So, um, you know, taking him so high, round nine, round 10, I think that's a, a mistake. Uh, but in these final rounds, totally good sort of flyer candidate. Um, the last guy I was going to mention uh, is very boring, Harrison Barnes. Uh, my point of view there is like, why bother? Like, no upside. Why would you like waste a draft pick on a guy like that? Okay, he's going to get you um, some points and d- decent percentages, but like round 14 is not the time to try and like bolster your team statistically. It's the time to take upside flyers and hope that someone that you take is, you know, producing a couple of rounds, two, three rounds better value than where you took him. And just Harrison Barnes is not going to do that. Um, contrast him to the guy going directly before. So, um, you know, Harrison Barnes ranked 162. Um, the guy before that is Quinton Grimes at 161. Uh, I think I think that's a much better option uh, for your last pick in the draft. Like he isn't, I guess, projected to give you the same amount of points um, as Harrison's going to be. But, he, you know, he does like have the potential to elevate versus what he was doing last season. So, you know, he began starting with the Knicks um, towards the end of the season. I think he's probably locked in that role and that he's going to start um, for the Knicks. So he's going to be playing a decent amount of minutes. Um, he can shoot. Uh, he's fantastic on the defensive end. So I think he's, I think his role on New York's pretty secure. Um, you know, Harrison's is as well, but where with Harrison, I just don't see any potential for upside. Um, with Quinton, I think, you know, he could improve his scoring. Um, he could shoot a few more threes than he has been per game. Um, his defensive numbers could go up. Um, so, yeah, much prefer um, in that final round uh, an upside flyer um, such as, um, you know, your Quinton Grimes and prefer that massively to like a dinosaur like Harrison Barnes. So that does it, guys. That brings us um, through 14 rounds. Went through four rounds in episode one and another 10 today and uh, in about the same amount of time. So uh, interesting uh, to contrast the the duo versus solo approach to podcasting. I certainly enjoyed it, guys. Um, So to sign off, please follow us on Twitter. It does help us out. Um, Our handle is at FBI Basketball. Um, You can follow me on Twitter. Um, That's at Hidden Upside. Uh, and please, uh, the, the, the most important thing to do is join our Discord. You can find the link to that 
uh, in my Twitter bio, in the FBI Basketball Twitter bio, or at our website, fbibasketball.com. Um, and I guess the last thing to mention is that our standard head-to-head -head, uh, and roto redraft leagues um, have launched. Um, there's quite a few of them are completely full, but there's more than a dozen that are um, filling now in the server with probably another dozen or so to be released in the coming week. So jump in the server, jump in those leagues. They're fantastic, great group of managers, very competitive and, and fun. Um, but other than that, thanks for playing. You just listened to another episode from the Fantasy Basketball International Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. And for more information about joining our community, please check out our website at fbibasketball.com.